السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتديا لولا أن هدان الله اللهم صلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد المفتاح باب رحمة الله أدد ما في علم الله صراة والسلام دائمين بدوام منك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشر أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا وربا شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وشر أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرة أعيننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهر على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا عباد الله إني مصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله بتقوى الله سبحانه وتعالى which is the wasiya this is the counsel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of the people that came before us, for the people in our time and all of the people that will come. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's counsel for his creation and were there to have been something greater for him to counsel us with, he surely would have done so subhanahu wa ta'ala. Taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is intimately related to the fast, which is intimately related to the madrasa of Ramadan, la'allakum tattakun, perhaps that you will become people of taqwa. And taqwa from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you strive to attain it, has its fruits. And if we look at these blessed verses in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so gently prevents the obligatory fast, O you who believe, it has been prescribed for you in the mabni lil majhud, in the passive tense, which is much easier for the servant to receive, as opposed to kitabna alikum. We have prescribed for you. Kutiba alikum as siyam, fasting. And then to that further his gentleness, kama kutiba aladina man kabikum. Just as it has been prescribed for those who came before you. So again, divine gentleness is not something just for you. This was also prescribed for people that came before you. And then so we know that it's for our benefit. Not that Allah wants to unnecessarily impose some type of difficulty on us. We are the ones that benefit from it. Perhaps that you will become people of taqwa. And then, yet again, so that because fasting at first might seem to be something that is difficult, and for those that have never fasted in their lives and they become Muslim, sometimes the first few days, the first few Ramadans are a little bit difficult. Ayyaman ma'dudat, a set number of days. You're not doing this the whole year. You're not doing this the majority of the year. Some days. And then, yet again, divine manifestation of divine gentleness after divine gentleness. Then, don't worry. There's certain circumstances where you're not even required to fast. So, whoever among you is sick or is traveling, 
Then let them fast those days at another time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on in this verse and then speaks of Shahr Ramadan and ties the fast to the revelation of the Quran. This is the month in which Allah's book was revealed. And we know this book is hudan in nas. It is guidance. And this is a precious word. And sometimes that we forget how important and how precious guidance really is. Because what is guidance? Guidance takes you from where you are to the destination of where you should be. Guidance recognizes where we're at as human beings and takes us to the goal, which is knowledge of Allah. So every time you see this word guidance, you should know that it relates to the human quest to come to know Allah. This is a precious word and a very precious meaning. And so Allah ties the fasting to the Qur'an. But then one of the indications here that needs to be pointed out is that after speaking about the fast, after speaking about the month of Ramadan and mentioning that this is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed, there is an indication in verse 186 that comes after it that there are fruits of this fast. There are fruits of spending that time in Ramadan before Allah wa ta'ala is standing in prayer, joining between fasting and joining between standing in prayer. And what happens then is that your heart becomes soft. Your heart becomes brittle. Your heart, be becomes, your heart becomes pure. And when your heart is soft, brittle, and pure, there are certain things that it will pick up on, that it will be aware of, that a hard heart will be far from. And one of the most important things of all for the heart to be aware of is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us at all times. To be in a state of what is called muraqaba, vigilance, where you and I are aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us at all times. And this is the first stage, our first degree of the science of Ihsan. As was stated by the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. although in this hadith he began with the higher of the two degrees in ta'budullah to worship Allah as if you see him. This was his definition, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, of Ihsan, not you are mine. This was his definition. And if it wasn't possible to worship Allah as if you see him, he would not have said that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَإِنْ لَمْ تُكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنْهُ يُرَاكَ And if you do not see him, he surely sees you. This is the second and lower degree, yet still it's a degree of ihsan, so it is lofty. Where you and I are aware that Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu, sees us at all times. This is what is called muraqaba. We have this awareness. And so in the verse that comes after these three verses that pertain to fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ ibadi anni فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ And when my servants ask about me, say that I am close. So the companions came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they asked the Messenger of Allah, 
is our is our Lord close to us, Najihi, so that we will intimately converse with Him, or is He far from us, Nadihi, so that we will call upon Him? So there's a difference between Munada and Munaja. Munada is what you do if you're trying to call someone from a distance. Ya Fulan! You call it his name and you use the particle Ya in Arabic because they're distant. And you're going to raise your voice and you're going to speak in a certain tone. But if someone's very close to you and they are right next to you, you're going to lower your voice. You're going to speak in a different way, especially if they're close to you. Not just in terms of physical proximity, but also in relation to your relationship with them. But to Najihi, you're going to speak with Munaja in a very gentle, soft tone. So this was the question that the companions asked. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. In what a blessed verse, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, the creator of everything that you and I see is saying that when my servants ask about me, ibadi, because surely they're his servants when they're asking such a radiant question, فَإِنِّي قريب, Indeed, that I am near. Indeed, that I am near. وَلَقَلْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْنُمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مَنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ Indeed, that we created the human being and we know what his own self whispers to him and we are closer to him than his jugular vein. Allah is qareeb. He is close, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the greatest benefits of fasting is that you and I have an enheightened awareness about how close our Lord really is, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the practical benefits of the fast. You spend your time fasting and you refrain from what Allah has commanded you to refrain from. And naturally, you're going to have a heightened awareness of a number of different things. And many of those things are very important. Some of them relate directly to various principles of the deen, various character traits. Some of them relate to that things that we should have in our heart towards other people. There are many wisdoms in the fast. But the greatest fruit of all is that we attain a heightened awareness that our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us at all times. And then we have the etiquettes of recognizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near. I respond to the one supplicating when he supplicates is that we turn to Allah. In times of difficulty and in times of ease. When we think we have what we need or when we think that we are actually in need of something. Even if we're missing salt at the dinner table or our sandal strap breaks, we've been taught to supplicate our Lord for large things and small things because it's about the meaning that is behind supplication wherein you and I show our servitude to Allah and our absolute need of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let him respond to me. This is the second etiquette of awareness that Allah Ta'ala that sees us at all times is that we respond to the call of Allah. And we know 
that everything that we are called to will bring us to life, true life, life of deen, life of having a heart that is alive with the remembrance of Allah. Ya ayyuhalina aminus tajibu lillahi wa lirrasuli idha da'akum nima yuhyikum. O you who believe, respond to the call of Allah and His Messenger when you are called to that which will bring you to life. And everything that we've been called to, from saying the shahada to the five daily prayers, to tahara and all of the other prerequisites for the prayer, to the fast itself, giving zakat, the hajj, and all of the other shara'ir of Islam, what Allah Ta'ala has legislated for us, all of that will bring the heart to life. It will bring the human being to life. And this is the true life where your life, your heart is alive with the meanings of this religion. And there are other people that are walking amongst us that seem to be alive, but the reality is they're dead. If you do not have iman, the reality is that you are as if you are dead. If someone is ignorant of their Lord and ignorant of what they need to return back to Allah Ta'ala, no matter how many PhDs they have, no matter what score they got on the SAT, no matter how intelligent they are, no matter how many patents that they own, whatever it might be, they are dead in reality. Indicating that you could be dead when you are really alive and your ruh is still in your physical body. Allah Ta'ala speaks about the one that was dead and then he brought him back to life and he made him a light walking among people. And when he says here, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is that this fee indicates that the light of that individual that was granted to him by Allah will pervade the hearts of those that he interacts with. Literally, in people. Or you could translate that, among. And this is the nature of light that it impacts. But people have to prevent their, that nafs, which is dense from blocking the light. So we have the etiquette of supplication. We have the etiquette of responding to the call of Allah. And then we have the etiquette of increasing in faith. Let him believe in me. Allah is already addressing the believer. This is the believer that asked whether Allah was close or far. But what this means here is increase in belief. Take a path whereby which every day you increase in iman. You increase in certitude. Ya amanu aminu, Allah says. Oh, you who believe, believe. He's already addressing those who believe. Increase in belief. You and I should increase in belief every single day. Nothing should be more important to us than that. How can we wake up in the morning and increase in belief? By protecting ourselves with taqwa and by learning and by studying, and by irrigating our hearts with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in both of its meanings, learning and actual remembrance of Allah ta'ala, where we invoke His blessed name subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must be people of knowledge. And alhamdulillah, we're at a juncture of Islam in this country where someone could be taken from darkness and brought into the light and enter into this religion and to have people take them by the hand and to give them clarity on certain matters. What a blessing. I remember when the Abdul Fakir became Muslim that many years ago now, in 1996, to be in the community of Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. May Allah protect him 
and preserve him and to that give him the greatest good in this world and the next. Entering, being a part of a community like that and having guidance from someone like that who that had so much knowledge. The result of that is you become Muslim and you never turn back. Everybody has questions. That's natural. But every time you ask a question, you get a great response. You ask another question, you get a great response. And then to contextualize what it means to believe in la ilaha illallah in light of the modern world and all of the tribulations happening around us. And then how that not to get snagged in that net that has that traps so many people. Because you realize that in reality, it is like a spider's web. Is that the most frail of all homes, the weakest of homes, is the spider's web. The substance in and of itself is actually quite strong. But in and of itself, that it's so small that it's very easy to take a spider web down. And this is the nature of much of the fitna of this world. With a little bit of knowledge, there's something about knowledge that it has a, gives authority over your heart. There's a sultan, there's a sultana that goes with knowledge, that gives you clarity, and it makes you firm upon this deen. And you and I must be people of knowledge. This is one of the great ways that we can strengthen our iman. And we should have knowledge of deen, and we also need a little bit of knowledge of how to navigate many of the trends in the currents in our time so that we don't get snagged, so that we're not like that fly or the insect which lacks substance and thus gets trapped in the web. May Allah Taala bless us to be people of knowledge and to give us profound knowledge, but we combine knowledge with deep, true, real spirituality. Not this fake pseudo-spirituality that is being marketed in so many places that you can find books well, people don't even go to bookstores anymore, whatever it is that you are, where the, the, the sound bites that people are hearing or the Instagram posts that, that have that words of truth, but they've been severed that from their attachment to a tradition where that, that tradition is required for the efficacy of those statements to that prove true in your own heart. Is that alhamdulillah that we have true religion true spirituality that is attached to that a tradition, an unbroken chain, this is what we mean by tradition, back to the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah Ta'ala mentions these various etiquettes. And you and I should know that muraqaba, being aware that Allah sees us at all times, and we call that vigilance, is one of the great stations of this religion. And this is why those who came before us used to encourage us to have this state in all of our harakat and sakanat, all of our times of movement, all of our times of stillness, at every moment in our life, everything that is that we intend to do, everything that it is that we set out to achieve, that we recognize, وَمَا يَعْزُبُ عَنْ رَبِّكَ مِنْ ذَرَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ Is that... Nothing is hidden, not even the weight of a dharra, which is a dharra, if it were to be a little bit more sun that coming into this room, you would see those little particles floating in the air. How much do one of those particles that float in the air weigh? Nothing is hidden from Allah. We can't even see those particles right now. The sun has to be out and 
that hitting them in a certain way for us to even see them, but they're all around us. Nothing is hitting from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the heavens are in the earth, not even the tiniest particle that you and I don't even perceive. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. He is with us wherever it is that we are. And the meaning of that withness or that togetherness, that ma'iya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he sees us at all times subhanahu wa ta'ala and knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is hidden from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when we talk about vigilance, there is a very, very important character trait that we must enter into the conversation of vigilance. So vigilance is bringing to heart that Allah Taala sees us at all times. And this is something that everyone can do. You can't force yourself into the higher degree, which is mushahada. That's a fruit of focusing on the first part. But every single last one of us can bring to heart that our Lord sees us at all times. And one of the signs that we are sincere in that is that when we start to recognize that our Lord sees us at all times, there's this beautiful trait that arises. And it's called haya. Haya. And haya, you can translate it as modesty. You can translate it as shyness. But its reality is that when you realize that your Lord sees you, is that you humble yourself before Him. And you realize that you're in need of Him. And you are very wary to do anything that would displease Him. That's what haya is. And we know that our Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Every deen has a quintessential trait of character. And indeed, the quintessential trait of Islam is modesty. What a blessed hadith of the Rasul Sallallahu All of the different manifestations of fahish, of indecency that we see in the modern world, all of the immorality, the common thread in all of them is that they lack haya, they lack modesty. And modesty is just as much a trait for men as it is for women. Don't be deluded in thinking that modesty is something just for young girls. That is not the way that of our deen. That is not the perspective of Islam. Our Prophet himself, sallallahu in the Shama'il, is described as being ashaddu haya'in ashaddu haya'in min al-adra'i fi khidriha Our Prophet was more modest than a virgin girl in the middle of her home. And yes, that this was one of the ways that they used to that recognize someone's haya' that they recognize is that that young girl was a symbol of modesty. But our Prophet was described as having more modesty than a virgin girl in the middle of her home. This is just as much a trait for men as it is for women. And this is why our Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is that modesty will only call to what is good. It will only lead to goodness. And its opposite, which is fuhsh, will only lead to things that are reprehensible. In another hadith, that ma kan al fi shay illa shanahu. 
No, nothing will ever be indecent except that the outcome of that thing will be reprehensible to the extent of the indecency. And then the opposite. And never will someone enter into an affair with modesty. And modesty be connected to that affair except that it will be virtuous and it will be something that is beautiful. And the Prophet had to correct this understanding even amongst his companions. And one time that he was walking by one of the companions, one of the Ansar, and that he was chiding his brother for being too modest. And then the Prophet rebuked him and taught him about the importance of modesty. This is something that you and I need. And this is something that unfortunately is there's an attempt to rip it from our heart. And if there was a more graphic way of describing that, then we surely would speak of it in that way. Because this is the nature of the modern world. It is ripping the hayat, the natural modesty that Allah Ta'ala has given in both men and in women, that from its very foundation. And it's something that you and I need to recapture. And better yet, it's something that we would ideally preserve from the beginning so that we don't have to recapture it. Because once you lose your modesty, it's harder to get it back. Just like anything in life, is that if you take care of your health and you take steps to maintain good health, preventative health care, you're putting in energy, but that's a lot better than getting sick and then having to treat a condition after. And the same thing goes with traits of character. And so modesty is one of these really blessed states of, of, states of being that stems from our knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, recognizing that he sees us. And this is something that we want to bring to life. And this is something that we know, as our teachers have said, when one of our teachers was asked, indicate to me something, that if I focus on that one thing, it will lead to comprehensive good. And that the response to him was simply, muraqabah, be in a state of vigilance. Because if you and I are in a state of vigilance, and we recognize that Allah Ta'ala sees us at all times, and we have that humility and that feeling the need of our Lord and that natural modesty that arises, then when we combine to that good thinking about what is wanted from us in the moment, by being in a state of vigilance, it will be a means for us to do whatever should be done in that moment. And then there's degrees, and ideally the best of what could be done in that moment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq, and may Allah ta'ala bless us in these latter days of Ramadan, and may we all seek the fruits of this blessed month and this blessed fast and standing before him in prayer and all of the other acts of goodness that we've been doing in this blessed month. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Hirabil Adameen, wa Afdara Salati, wa Atamu Tasneem, Ala Sayyidina, wa Mawlana Muhammadin, wa Ala Alihi, wa Sahbi, wa Sadim Ajma'in, wa Sharun la ilaha illallah, wa Sharun Muhammad Rasulallah, Amma Ba'd, Ya Ibadullah, Inni Musikum, wa Nafsi Iyaya, Bitaqwa Allah. We are in the last 10 days of this blessed month, and in fact, that we are in the last half of the last 10 days of this blessed month. And insha'Allah, may Allah Ta'ala forgive us for all of our shortcomings thus far. 
And we still have time to make up for it. We still have time to do what it is that we can to repair our shortcomings. And we recognize as servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la ilaha illallah, how much do we fall short? How much has our Lord required of us? And how many gifts does he give us subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is an opportunity. This is the ideal opportunity of the year to rectify between our state with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we've transgressed enough. We've sinned enough. We've done enough wrong. Let's make up for that in these last few nights. Let's turn to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely in repentance and ask Him to forgive our sins and to ask Him to change our sins into good deeds and to ask Him to rectify us and that we finish this month off in a way where the blessings of that energy that we put in will remain with us the latter part of the year. And this is one of the meanings of the hadith If we do what we can in this blessed month is that the blessings of that will remain with us the entire year. And alhamdulillah, there's still time left. And inshallah, that we'll reach the very last days of Ramadan and to celebrate the Eid and to receive our reward from him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one piece of advice that our teachers mention is that we should make the intentions for everything that we're going to do in the following year from Ramadan. Because the reward is multiplied in Ramadan. So we go through and think about everything that is we're going to do. All the prayers that we're going to say in the next Hijri year. All of the fasting that we're going to do in the next Hijri year. All of the zakat that we're going to pay. If we're going to perform the pilgrimage. All of the acts of goodness that we intend to do before this month ends, make the intention. So then when you actually do that act, in the, in the time, in the upcoming year, that it's been preceded with an intention that started in Ramadan. And there will be an, an abundant about a more bar, amount of barakah and blessing and a more abundant amount of reward. And in closing, that we should all remember to pay zakat al-fitr. This is something that our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa legislated. And it's a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only for though the people that are in need on this blessed day, this is the day that everybody should have what they need. All believers should have what they need to be able to celebrate inwardly, but also outwardly. And it also is an atonement for us falling short in what it is that we've done during this month. And that we know is that our fasting is suspended between the heavens and the earth until we give our zakat al-fitr. And that in the Shafi school is that the ideal time to give it is before you go out for the prayer. But we need to be careful if we're unable to do that, as was the case in traditional societies. Unfortunately, we're distant from the poor, oftentimes in the communities in which we live. But don't let, it's makru, to postpone until after the prayer. And then if you wait until Maghrib, then it becomes haram. You still have to give it, but now you've done something that is unlawful and it's permissible to give your zakat al-fitr from the beginning of Ramadan and that you should give it on behalf of yourself and on behalf of anyone that you're responsible for, which includes your wife and your children and it includes your parents as well. And so that in the Hanafi school, it is permissible to give it in money. It's ideally best given in the staple food of the place in which we live. But again, unfortunately, we're distant from these meanings. So at the very least, give it in money, and it's a very small amount. It's roughly $10. So I would find an organization that you trust and take that extra step of caution where you 
that charge them and commission them to give it out on your behalf and to commission someone else to even that give it out on your behalf if they need do so. And ideally that it's an organization that deals directly with the poor and takes that money and gets it directly to the poor and that in some schools it's permissible to also that send it overseas. But if you are sending it overseas, we have to recognize there's people in need here too. And my recommendation would be is to, if you do it overseas, but also do it here. One, to get out of the ikhtilaf of the ulama on the particular legal issue, but also to take care of the needs of the local people. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayu alladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi Sayyidina Muhammad Kama sallaita ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alihi Sayyidina Ibrahim Innaka hamidun majeed Wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi Sayyidina Muhammad Kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala alihi Sayyidina Muhammad Fil alameen innaka hamidun majeed Wa radiyallahu ta'ala an saadatan akhulafa rashidin Abi Bakr wa Ummu Uthman wa Ali وعلى جميع أهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من الجاس وعلينا معموفين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات المؤمنين والمؤمنات يا أرحم الراحمين We ask our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us of all of our sins the large sins that we've made and the small sins that we made the major and the minor يا أرحم الراحمين May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala accept from all of us our fasting, understanding and prayer يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم we ask you يا الله to rectify our affairs and rectify the affairs of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad, to strengthen our faith and strengthen the faith of Ummah Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma alleviate all of our suffering, Ya Arhamar Rahmin. Ward off from us various types of calamities, Ya Allah. We ask you, Ya Allah, that this month be a means, Ya Allah, for reconciliation between us and you. And all of the veils between us and traveling a path of drawing near to, we ask you to remove them, Ya Arhamar Rahmin. Allahumma bless us to be able to receive your mercy. Our own selves, Ya Allah, and our family members and loved ones, our friends, Ya Allah, and the people in our community in the Ummah Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we ask you, Ya Allah, is that the light of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah spread amongst the people that we are living with, Ya Arham Rahmin. Allah, bring people to the truth of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and make us firm upon those meanings inwardly and outward into the day that we meet you. Awakum Allah, Nasrakum Allah. إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهاء عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا عن نعمه يزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر